I have these moments where I'm like, oh, I miss Ontario. They pretty much never happen, actually, to be honest. And uh, they're happening even less now that Premier Ford has been installed. How's that going for you? Uh, well, I saw on Twitter, I can't remember who was the person who said this, but maybe it was Adil Abdullahi, who is a listener. Hi, Adil. Hey. Uh, who I think... You know, you know how you wanted it to be like Doug Terrio or Ford Terrio or whatever it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wrote Dutty Doug, and I loved that. <laughs> we can call him that. <laughs> we can call him that. And if it wasn't Adele, I'm sorry, but it was somebody. Somebody wrote it, and it was great. Anyway, why are you trying to, why are you trying to make me contemplate my situation and be even more upset about it? That's not cool. What's going on? I mean, I just can't believe he is not... He is not fucking around with his bad ideas. Mm. He's like Super Mario and those boxes are like bad ideas. And he's like, I'm going to get every single coin I can. And he's just like hitting that one box that gives you as many coins as you can get at once. That's him. And I mean, who wants to be that annoying Mario player who tries to get all the coins? <laughs> exactly. Right. Nobody. That's that's what you. It's not even the point of the game. No. <laughs> You're like, hey, I got a one up. It's like that is pathetic, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and Doug Ford, you're not going to get a one-up. No. Oh, will. I don't... Mm. What would that be equivalent to re-election? Probably. Maybe he will. Ooh. Maybe it'll be like some sort of life-saving surgery or something. I don't know. A double lobotomy. So the legislature hasn't even started sitting yet, okay? It has not nope. been recalled and yet, in, you know what? Actually, it might be recalled by the time this is uh, this goes live. So we'll see. Because I, I do hear he is planning to do an emergency summer session to get, you know, some of those those things that he wants to do done as quickly as possible. But a lot has happened already. Right. Ah, oh, geez. And so one of those things that has happened is, I want to just reference back a couple episodes before where we said in the debates leading up to the election it was ridiculous that not a single person really took Doug Ford to task on his not a single job lost promise because it was absolutely ridiculous how many people has he fired so far <laughs> I just it has already happened. He's not even really started. It just doesn't make any sense. Oh my god. <laughs> well, and it's like the the public sector hiring freeze is a real problem. Oh, because oh, if for you... everyone except police, like come on, Nora, it's not a full public sector hiring freeze. Be accurate, okay? <laughs> It's police and some firefighters, he said. <laughs> it's like, ooh, who are the firefighters that aren't going to be hired? <laughs> that gets oh, awkward. Fuck. Um, I, like, there is no better way to declare war on the people of Ontario than saying, we are not going to let you hire nurses, social workers, municipal workers, freaking lifeguards, teachers, early child care center or early learner center workers. But pigs, 
you know what? I actually didn't mean to say that. You didn't? <laughs> I did not mean to I didn't mean to say that, but it just came out and I'm I'll, I'll keep that in the episode yeah, cuz um, sure. that's what I really think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the same time as like, you know, you build all these condos and expand the amount of people in the city, like all the 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 new housing that's going up and expanding all these people, but a hiring freeze in the public sector, which is effectively jobs lost through attrition. Okay. Yeah. So fully promise one or like the only promise made during the campaign, because like what, what, where was the platform? It was a series of petitions. So uh, the one promise has been broken. What else has happened? Um, He, uh, he fired the chief scientist, which is, which is one of these things that a lot of people have gotten mad about. But I think that on this one, I just want to remind everybody about how partisanship plays a role in all of this. Mm -hmm. And so don't get too mad that he fired the chief scientist. It was a new position created by the liberals. He'll probably hire a new scientist and then he'll be like, oh, he's got a new scientist who's a conservative who probably denies climate change and thinks that windmills are killing you. But, you know, (laughs) a lot of people have been mad about that. But let's be real. It's not like like Kathleen's chief scientist did much for science from what I saw. I mean, that's what you wanted to start with. (laughs) Nah, I wanted to get that out of the way because that's that's my only one. I've, I've seen a lot of people react to that negatively and it's kind of like. You know, let's have a bit of sobriety and keep our eye on the prize for what the real injustices are. Well, I mean, I think I think that part of that is that, you know, we use the United States so much as like our template for everything, even when it mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense, uh, both on the political <laughs> side and as like the ordinary person side watching things happen. So, you yeah. know, like Doug Ford this week has started talking about illegal immigrants yes as an issue which is like (sighs) jesus we don't have the same laws as the united states one two no one should be called illegal but three actually not illegal (laughs) what he's referring to but the cbc prints his exact words and so it comes out like the the article comes out that Doug Ford is is taking action against illegal immigration, which is yeah. not, which which is not. Oh Jesus, asylum seekers are not an example of any sort of illegality in the migration process. That's not what that is. That's what he's referring to, and he's taking action against it now. Um, whatever the fuck that means. And that is just a, like looking at a template of the United States and saying, hey, that populist bullshit works for them. Uh, let's see if it'll work for us, even though it actually makes absolutely no sense in the context of these borders. Well, just wait till he <sighs> makes Ontario's border wall with the United States go up. <laughs> it'll cut you off from the from the falls. You can't see the falls. Be like, where's Niagara Falls? I can't see the falls. Like, oh, it's a, it's 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 Ford's new border wall. Oh, damn. His pivot, his hard pivot to to talking about illegal immigrants. First of all, it's happening at the same time that he's also uh, cutting the cap and trade system in Ontario, which is is a system that's not super easy to understand. Like the average person is unlikely 
able to explain how cap and trade works. But effectively, you know, you're 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 punishing polluters by making them pay for their pollution in a way. And so that's bad. Like that sounds bad, I think, to average people when they're like, oh, Doug Ford's trying to destroy the environment. And so his meeting with Trudeau happens. And then all of a sudden you see like switch. Oh, let's switch the channel. Let's talk about illegal immigrants who are flooding Toronto's shelter system or public housing system or food banks or whatever. And it's like, as you said, the whole word illegal is not accurate or true. And any journalist that writes that without it, like literally being in quotes and with caveats explaining that that's not true or even better, don't repeat it. There's no reason to do that. Don't repeat it. Don't repeat it. Be better. It adds nothing. It's just inaccurate. Um, unless your goal is inaccuracy, then okay, then we're talking about the probably the entire Sun Media chain. But anyway, the switch to 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 try and make people get angry about this question of illegal immigration, all it does is well, first of all, it uses racist tactics to try and get people to ignore the fact that he's also destroying the environment. Number two, it also completely hides the fact that uh, in in the case of pretty much everywhere in Ontario. The shelter systems are overloaded and all public services are overloaded. They already were overloaded. And it's not asylum seekers or people crossing at irregular border crossings that are making it bad. It's years of underfunding. It's years of an inadequate tax base. It's years of conservative decisions made at every single level of Canada that have created these conditions. But Ford like they're like okay what's Ford good at he's good at grunting out sentences okay okay let's get him to grunt out illegal immigrants okay great that's so good yeah we'll do that and it's like boom that's this week that's the news so you bring up cap and trade which is one of two regulations that were announced to be pulled or halted or delayed um, as a result of um, directives given by Doug Ford so cap and trade is one the other one was uh, a regulation to reform the SIU that was announced by the former government some point last year. And so folks may remember that Black Lives Matter, along with a bunch of other groups, had been calling for changes to the Special Investigations Unit, which is the uh, police watchdog body that is supposed to keep police accountable when they harm or kill members of the public. And... Uh, the the Ford administration announced that they had had consultation with police and have decided as a result of that consultation with the people they're trying to keep uh, hold accountable through this measure, or maybe they're not trying to, but are meant to be kept accountable through this measure, that it was no longer feasible to implement this right away. They really needed to... Uh, pause and understand uh, how this was going to affect them. I know how it was going to affect them. It was going to keep them more accountable, maybe like marginally. It wasn't the great, it wasn't the reform that everybody asked for. We got incremental gains, but it wasn't that much. It was like, okay, so now all the special investigation units reports will be available to everybody. They would uh, you know, make sure that more information was available to the public and, and things like that. It's like, okay, pause, stop, halt, no, no. We cannot do because the police have told us that we can't do. Why are you, why are you consulting the police about this? <laughs> Didn't we just go on some useless years-long consultation process with 
quote unquote, the public to find out that we needed these things and slash actually it was actually 300 recommendations made to reform the system. Uh, but, you know, the liberals announced that they were going to implement five. So <laughs> we had we got those five. And uh, and before one of the most important, one of the most the primary things that Doug Ford did on his agenda was to remove that. Which I think huh. clearly spells out who he doesn't give a shit about in in his Ontario, which is black people. In addition to anybody, you know, who is assisted by that legislation. But he does really care about police, which is a service, not a group of people that he serves. Yeah, the combination of, of rejecting the changes to the SIU plus hiring more police officers, it's just like... Yeah. It's like he had a meeting with like a, a class of kindergartners who are like unruly and the solution to make them less ruly is to like just give them more balls in the ball pit. <laughs> and the kindergartners are like, yeah. And they're like, oh, we'll let you eat ice cream at the same time while you play in the ball pit. And everyone's like, that's a terrible idea. And he's like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. <laughs> It's a, it's certainly a sign of what is to come. Like, that is the worst thing about conservative governments. Actually, no, it's the worst thing about left-wing governments who do not do this when they first take power. It's like... Yeah, they the, wait. They're <laughs> like, let's, let's, let's wait for the year before an election to, like, figure out if this is something that we should do. Maybe, I don't know. Oh, too late. Yeah. Whereas conservatives are like, we are changing the system immediately and we're going to make it as impossible as possible. <laughs> to allow you to change it back. Yeah, exactly. And it's do. like it's like it's it's obvious. I don't know if you have any political mind, it's exactly how you should implement a sweeping set of reforms. Like that's ob- that's obvious. And um but the left hasn't really figured this out. And and the left uh, I I never would include the liberals in that, but the liberals uh the liberals have pretty much set up all of the pins in the exact way for Ford to come in and knock them all down. It's like, had they moved ahead on uh, some of the changes to the SIU, maybe it would have been easier uh, or harder for Ford to undo them. Moving ahead with only five, that's only five things that you have to undo, so that's easy enough. And the OHIP Plus changes (laughs) is another one, right? Where where the liberals like made this bizarre scheme where everyone was going to have coverage except it was based on age. And it's like, okay, but so you, it's already not universal. So you've got holes in it because it's not universal. And so then people are like, okay, if it's not universal, why would you give coverage to someone who's already got private coverage? And oh, poof, <laughs> Christine Elliott walks in. Super easy to, to dismantle. Totally easy to dismantle. And, and not just easy, but like with arguments built in. And Elliott comes out and is like, this was wasteful. Why would you give it? if you're if it's not universal why would you give it to people that already have coverage and you're like oh that's a great question christine elliott and boo poof gone gone and i just want to say like back when this was being announced i think we had a podcast episode about that so you should like listen to it where we were just like don't do it this way it's so easy to just get rid of it and look yeah look what happened we should run everything I mean, we should. Probably not. I think Probably we should. Not. I think we should. Except the the, the problem is, is that like... Insofar as people should run everything, obviously. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. The people. The people. That's what I'm referring to here. Instead of the people of Doug Ford. I don't know if he's a people. No, but he's trying to brand himself as the guy of the people. 
Ford, like these, this is not going to stop. He's going to steamroller a whole bunch of other, um, a whole bunch of other measures to make life very difficult in Ontario. Uh, he will powerfully screw people who voted for him, and they will spin it in a way to blame it on something else or someone else. And what I am most concerned about is I don't see any resistance. Like, is it just that I'm not there and that there is resistance? Or is it that, like, like the left is not really engaged yet in these shock and awe, against this shock and awe tactic of transforming Ontario? I wouldn't say that there is absolutely no resistance right now. Like, there was... Uh... A, uh, a rally organized primarily by the 15 and Fairness folks to uh, a rally for good jobs in, in Ontario in the first days after the election to say, which I think was an important show of like, you know, it doesn't like we're none of this is going to go forward without some sort of response by people. So like there was that. But what I think is uh, catching everybody off guard, perhaps, and people shouldn't be caught off guard by this, is how quickly everything is happening um, before, you know, the legislature is even in place. So there's yeah. no one to, there's no one to, especially if you're one of those organizations or if you're engaged one of those organizations or maybe you're engaged as an individual who wants to be able to, like, call a constituency office or, or call your... MPP to like have a have a discussion with somebody about how you didn't like this thing. There's like literally there's no one. There's the parliamentary website hasn't been updated with dates. There's like no information like contact information. I, I don't know if that's been updated now, but for a while there was no contact information. Um, and so it's like the uh, what's happening like you haven't usually we would be waiting until September for the house to open and to actually understand what the arguments are so that journalists can even view and make um, articles about these things. But we're just getting these announcements. Oh, regulation pulled, regulation pulled. Doug Ford said hiring freeze, blah, blah, blah. And they're not mm -hmm. coming with the typical debates or access to anyone that we would normally have to be able to talk to people, which means that like, you know, we shouldn't be waiting for those things in the first place. We shouldn't be oriented around a parliamentary calendar when we're like fighting for justice. It doesn't make sense. And we shouldn't be completely focused on, okay, how do I get to access my MPP or whatever? It has to be organized outside of the system that allows Doug Ford to say, okay, I can end this entire uh, pharmacare program or I can end this in the cap and trade. I can end uh, uh freaking the SIU re reform simply by pulling a regulation and because it's not a legislation it doesn't re require another vote in the house yeah or maybe it does like I don't know if you remember the first thing that he announced which was to remove this uh the solar panel rebate or or energy efficient rebates on on uh, on on home renovations or whatever and so he announced that he was removing that. And then very important primary, primary thing that needed to happen. Well, and then this goes back to the liberals because it's like, I'm sorry, this is the idea of saving the fucking environment, giving people like rebates to retrofit their homes. Like, seriously? Oh, yeah. yeah. And so he announced that yeah. he was canceling that. And then there was some news coming out saying, oh, maybe he doesn't have the power to do that, actually. Mm hmm. So that and and the only people that really know that like the, the the reason to watch 
the government is to to be able to use tools of government. That's the only reason. And it's like, so, okay, if you're uh, uh, someone that's paying attention to this stuff really well, you might be able to say instantly to someone at the Toronto Star, for example, hey, this is illegal. They can't actually do that. We're the ones following this debate all the time, blah, 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 blah. It's already in motion. This is all lies, right? That's the only reason to pay attention to the legislative calendar and to uh, how legislation works, so the Legislative Assembly works. At the end of the day, no one cares about it. And certainly Doug Ford doesn't give a rat's ass about it. If he can just decree certain things and it sounds good and it's going to boost his popularity, he's going to go ahead and do that. And, and and what's very interesting to me is it's like summer is like also not a good time to, to even make announcements at all, whether or not they're good announcements or bad announcements. But but we're going to see, I think Ford is gonna, is unorthodox, obviously. He's a new government. And he's just kind of like busting in like the Kool-Aid guy with like ideas. And there's no, there's just no opposition because, because social movements are, are not used to responding so quickly, are not used to the shock and awe of a government. Because really the last time that this happened would have been, you know, t- uh, 1995. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, I I don't know, like, the, the, there's, he can be stopped, but it, it, it actually really does de- require those creative direct actions that start to make members of his caucus feel nervous about doing certain things. Because what Ford has shown is that he is movable. He's movable on the green belt. He's movable on, um, on issues that look like they will be disasters for his base right that's the that's a useful thing about populism is that it does cut both ways you just have to figure out a way to actually make sure that you have the pulse of the people that you're trying to represent or work with and put pressure on the decision makers in a way where they're like oh my god we can't do that and in some cases it's just not possible right like like i i don't know how you would take his foot off the gas of pro-police measures so quickly well, we have to make discussions that criticize the police and like critical thinking about the police more popular. And so that's our work to do as as people on the left. Right. Uh, in this province right now, because I, you know, he's talking about bringing back a whole host of measures that we know one didn't work and two were super anti-black and are going to result in um, the deaths of black people in this province and indigenous people in this province at a higher rate than they are already occurring. And instead of moving away from uh, policing, which is what we should do, and start looking at issues of poverty and housing and health instead of criminalizing everything, like we're not moving in that direction, which is the way that we should be moving. And that's going to result in in, in, in more death. I, I posted something on Twitter recently where you know, I'm just people like like just take a look. When has you know increased police presence actually reduced crime? It doesn't. <laughs> it's like every year. It's like a, one of the the uh, platform promises that politicians make. We are going to be tough on crime. How many times have you heard it? Multiple times. How many times has it worked? Never. Like it's just that's <laughs> not the solution. It's not the solution or you wouldn't have to keep saying it every single time, every single government. And, uh, you know, we're, we were starting to break through some of that and ending some of these programs like 
you know, these task forces that focus on highly racialized areas that don't do anything but criminalize um, racialized indigenous people and especially black people. Uh, and we're going to have to continue making that critical discussion popular in the province. And and everywhere, actually, not just the province. Yeah. Yeah. I've 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 been very interested in um, the, the 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 connection between um, the narrative that politicians are using, specifically John Tory and Ford, uh, as a response to the higher uh, than than normal, I guess, uh, gun violence in in Toronto this past summer, where you have the spokesperson from Peel Police and Peel's a region beside um, beside Toronto to the west saying that part of why there is more gun violence is because police have lost the opportunity to card people. Not true. You were still carding. It's like, like, I don't, I'm not surprised that the Peel police would say that. Peel police is notoriously like one of the worst police forces Mm -hmm. in Ontario. And certainly Mm -hmm. the way that they police their community, which is a diverse community with, uh, a high representation of black Canadians in, you know, Brampton and in Mississauga. It's like they're carding people all the time. Like that's I'm I would be if you took away carding, they'd probably like have 90% of their time back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's not a surprise that that's their reaction. Um, now, I think that that comment was attributed as well to the spokesperson of the Toronto police who has said that they never said that, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But even if they're not saying it aloud, like obviously in their inside voices, um, if they are if they are making those links because they think that there is enough fear and racism within the population to justify giving police more power and more money and more resources, then they will do that. And they will do that at the expense of funding long term care or funding education or whatever the hell else or or, or funding uh, anti-poverty measures or, or early intervention measures or free day camp for kids, like whatever, right? There's a, any number of other things uh, that, that you can use that money for in a more intelligent way. And um, and that rhetoric has already started, and I am sure it's going to continue to ramp itself up. Uh, so you know who I feel really sorry for in this, like, new world of Doug Ford's? Renata Ford? no actually i feel i I don't feel sorry for this person for real but it's just like a good way to enter this into the conversation (laughs) so clever uh is greg greg rickford oh yeah the minister of energy northern development and mines and minister of indigenous affairs like what did he do to get all like every single big issue (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just thrown Great at Great question. What, why do they hate him? What is it? Or do they just think that none of these things matter? I don't understand what is happening. So who is Greg Rickford? Other than a guy who has two first names as a first name and as a last name, plus Ford. I feel like that's how they're trying to come up with their cabinet now is just their names. And anyway. <laughs> Wait till we get to Oosterhof. Yeah, exactly. So Greg Rickford was actually in, he was in Stephen Harper's cabinet. And in the cabinet, he was the parliamentary secretary for the Minister of Indian Affairs and Northern Development. And so there's uh, very clearly uh, 
the the combination of seeing uh, Indian affairs or indigenous affairs solely in the perspective of energy development that I think uh, well a lot of activists identified this when he was when he was appointed to this but it 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 signals exactly what the conservatives think about northern development energy and indigenous people it's like like northern ontario already is a colony of bay street right like most of of the global mining corporations in the world's headquarters are on bay street in toronto because were leaders in destroying the earth and um and northern ontario remains uh an active location where there's lots of mining right there's diamond mining there's uh there's gold mining and other uh other metals and um and the ring of fire which the liberals talked a lot about developing um remains i think probably the dream of these of these men who see an untold amount of riches um, at the expense, of course, of people who actually live there. And um, and so it's quite telling that someone who comes from uh, a background like uh, like it's in, in Harper's cabinet has been given three portfolios to to to, to stick handle and to basically probably redefine the relationship that the federal government has uh, or the ugh, with the, the provincial government has with indigenous people because it, it's also a bit of a, of a of an interesting area where most of, of crown relations or almost all of crown relations are, are, are negotiated and managed by federal departments now this guy has that experience as a parliamentary secretary and so does this signal that the that the Ford regime doesn't give a rat's ass about con- reconciliation? I would say probably, <laughs> majorly probably. But but yeah, his his background and the way that they've created that um, portfolio is quite telling. Mm, I want to make very clear that I don't actually feel sorry for him. <laughs> well, how about this? He was the eldest of eight children, so he probably does know how to change diapers at least. It's like the only thing I can think of saying good about someone that had that many ki- uh, siblings. Okay, so maybe we should move on to Oosterhof. <laughs> Oosterhof. Oosterhof. Yes, the Parliamentary Secretary for Education. Oosterhof, who was, you know, born in the wrong generation. <laughs> oh, yeah. He even wears glasses from 1945. It's so true. This guy who was uh, homeschooled and so... Uh, possibly knows nothing about the public education system <laughs> uh, besides what he was taught in his home school about it and is like against all the things uh all things progressive uh is is the parliamentary secretary for education yeah yeah everything makes sense yeah you know? yeah yeah it all makes sense. it's it all makes sense I mean, it is good to have young people elected, but not this. Don't choose the oldest young person you can find. <laughs> like, come on, everybody. This makes no sense. No sense. Uh, nope. Nope. So he is staunchly anti-abortion. I don't want to make a walking fetus joke or anything, but he might be a walking fetus. <laughs> Okay, in all seriousness, um, so uh, so Doug Ford won, of course, with the support of Tanya Granich Allen, who was very famous for 
being opposed to the changes in sex ed curriculum. Now, uh, because now, of anal Oosterhoff, sex. Because of the anal because sex. Because of anal sex. The anal yeah. sex unit uh, in the sex ed curriculum. <laughs> yeah, the practicum is really, really risque. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Obviously not true. There's, there's no yeah, none of that's true. Of anal sex in the curriculum. There's so many people who think there is, it's unbelievable. So it's yeah, no. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. So so Sam Oosterhoff is the parliamentary secretary for the Minister of Education, and he has not only zero experience, you know, at all, like let like no educational experience in terms of like studying education or anything like that. He has never even been in the public school system. And it's like, okay, okay, that that at least, okay, maybe that brings you uh, an interesting perspective on, on as being an outsider. Okay, fine. But he's also like, he was like a 19-year-old, now he's a bit older, anti-abortion activist guy. And so like all of the issues around the new sex ed curriculum and around abortion, because we already know that Doug Ford is like super against abortion, although I'm sure he'd be down with it for his own family, um, <laughs> is is kind of wrapped up in this appointment. And so it's like, what are we trying to achieve here? Like, what is this guy going to bring to the table? Like, actually, what is he going to bring to the table? You're going to say, hey, so in grade the grade four curriculum around math includes f- like fractions and blah, blah, blah. And he's sitting there like, man, what did I learn in grade four? I didn't take grade fucking four because I was like sitting at home reading the Bible and doing Bible math. And maybe he learned fractions in grade four, but it's quite different than when you're in charge of administering an entire public system that you have zero contact with. Yeah, a little bit. Except for maybe the doctors that he's ever met in his life who, thank God, were not educated at home. (laughs) But, you know, uh, take heart in the fact that Sam Oosterhoff is for the people and not the insiders, which is um, his Twitter bio. Oh, my God. Come on. For the people, not the insiders, just like this entire administration, the first Ontario government of the people. And one thing that I did also want to mention that I haven't seen uh, a lot of people talk about, a lot of people have talked about, you know, the status of women's office uh, clearly not being a priority as um, there is no minister or in charge of the status of women. Uh, There is... There is like a minister in charge of children, women's issues and social programs. It's just like, okay, here's all the things, women's issues. You take them. I think it's Lisa McLeod. Yeah. You take them, Lisa McLeod. But but people haven't spoken about uh, that the, you know, sham office that the liberals set up to to have a anti-racism secretariat has also been, you know, dismantled, which is one Journalists, wow, you're really showing your hand and your ass by showing that you don't care about that. Like, nobody's talked about it. It's just really <laughs> interesting to me that, you know, it's it's a it's a blatant change that no one's talked about. But also, too, um, it was a sham office uh, that never really got that much funding and didn't really do too much. And I'm sure the little, the little bit that it did do will be rolled off the table. And uh, in mm-hmm. terms of... The critics that the Liberals announced, they're not even interested in, you know, having um, anyone be focused on issues of race uh, itself altogether. So, you know, there's just been a lot of um, a lot of signals that this government that hasn't even taken office yet has made very, very clear uh, that uh, they have in their sights, you know, 
uh, women. They have in their sights dismantling pieces of the education system. They have in their sights uh, health. They have in their sights uh, the indigenous community. They have in their sights the black community. They, you know, all of these things that they are going to use as tools to advance their populist agenda. Um, and they're going to use the template that the United States has, has given us. And uh, thankfully for us organizers, there is a template that the United States has given us. And so we mm -hmm. have a pretty good idea about what's about to happen as as the government focuses on on tearing down um, some of these things that we've you know been been fighting either to maintain or to build uh, over the years. And that's going to be really important for us to, to study so that we don't get blindsided but we're also going to need to know about our own system because this government has also shown that it doesn't actually matter uh, whether or not the issues are uh, translatable from an American system to a Canadian system they're planning on using all of the information that we all know about the American um, uh, system uh, to to propel them forward. And so we should probably know our own system a little bit better so that we don't get caught off guard. Totally. Totally. I just want to go back to Sam Osterhoff. You said that his bio said he's for the people and not for the insiders. Yeah, that's his Twitter bio. I mean, what does he know that like fetuses are really inside? <sighs> <laughs> can't with you sometimes Nora. Like, just... <laughs> is this a cry for help maybe he like he's actually been kidnapped and he's just looking for some super clever person to break the code and fyi just did uh to to go and be like oh my god this guy needs to be kidnapped he needs to be brought to a camp somewhere and in that camp he has to just like like break loose have some beer jump in the lake unwind and say aloud to someone. What is happening in your head right now? Like, what's what's going and, on? And say aloud to someone, <laughs> I actually support abortion. Oh my god! <laughs> it's a parade of clowns, and oh, and the cabinet was so unsurprising. It was I found a little bit pathetic when some pundits were like, "Wow, I picked the entire cabinet." It was like the. <laughs> This is the most obvious cabinet it could have been. There's no, literally, no surprises in this cabinet whatsoever. And it it shows that like this is a government that's not interested in in the normal games of the legislature. They are not going to respect decorum. They are not going to respect protocol. And they will try, just like a certain guy from the United States, to make it look that like because they don't respect protocol and decorum, that they're actually different and they're actually acting in people's best interest and that will hide the fact that they're already appointing their friends into senior bureaucratic positions and onto boards with six-figure salaries mm -hmm. that are absurd just like the liberals did and just like they did before the liberals like this is this is extreme status quo happening before our eyes and and we have people to be smart at spotting it and to not fall into the traps that they set to make the left look silly or preoccupied by things that don't matter, while at the same time keeping our finger on the pulse of what is happening to the communities that are affected by these public policies that are being shock and awed into action. One of the opportunities that we do have as a, as a final note before we log off here 
um, is that all signs point to that there is an internal struggle going on within the Conservative Party. So hopefully, you know, the Conservative Party shows their ass at some point <laughs> in the yeah. next four years and so that we can exploit that internal struggle. Um, and if, you know, if you're like a sleeper mole or something like that, like, let us know what's going on, like what buttons we need to push, because that is an opportunity that is going to allow us to to do some shaking up in our organizing. And until that time happens, we're going to need to make sure that our communities are ready for the long game. As we've talked so much about on this podcast, it is the solution to these issues. The solution to this type of threat is organize, organize, organize. That's the only way um, to get ahead of these things. And we need to focus uh, on the future. So let's get out into our communities and educate folks on um, all the things that are going on and see if we can stop this government in its tracks and or at least before the next election. Mm-hmm.